The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch. Derek walks you through how to win government jobs, effectively manage your government career, and best utilize government services. Every week on Fed Access, you'll learn about interesting federal agencies, workers, and careers. Fed Access provides you the access you need to succeed in the federal government. And now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Happy New Year. This is the first show of the new year, and we are glad that you are here with us. I hope everybody had a good break, and they're starting off the new year in a very, very excellent way. And we're going to do the same thing by having one of our favorite guests uh, join us to talk about what's going to be happening in 2018 with the clearance process and with security clearance jobs and everything else. Uh, We've got Evan Lesser on the line. He's the president and founder of clearancejobs.com. And then that's a site that you can actually go to if you're a person with any kind of security clearance, everything from confidential all the way up to top secret SEI with a full poly. If you have any of those clearances, you can be on there as a job seeker looking for jobs and finding recruiters and finding events and everything else that will benefit you and network that will benefit you in your career and your job search. And for people who are recruiters, for those employers, you can also find some great uh, candidates, that human capital that you're looking for, that talent that you're looking for, that you can acquire, that you can hire, contact, connect with them and everything else. Evan, happy new year. Thanks a lot, Derek. Good to talk with you. Always, always. Hey, 2017 is over. <laughs> a turbulent year. <laughs> I mean, thank goodness. a lot of, I know, thank goodness. And hopefully it's uh, 2018 is going to be a little bit better. But uh, I know there's some changes that's going on. And, and as we swing into 2018, uh, uh, some changes maybe with uh, some security clearance forms and everything else. Let's start out and kind of talk about that. What's happening? What's, what's evolving right now? Sure. So, Derek, your listeners will um, probably remember that the electronic questionnaire for investigation processing, uh, sometimes called the EQIP form, um, is is really the electronic version of the standard Form 86, which everyone that undergoes a security clearance um, has to fill out, and uh, people who are getting a uh, reinvestigation have to fill out as well. So um, a couple of years ago, they announced that there'd be some changes to the uh, to the form, and um, really in the last week or so, they finally gotten those changes out. And you know, the changes aren't huge, but I think that they're an interesting reflection of uh, of our times, or an interesting reflection of of the way that that things change. And and essentially, you know, the form is trying to to keep in line with that. You know, with all of these things happening, and you know, as, as we look back at 2017, uh, um, you know, we, I know, me and you talked about just some of the delays that were happening, right? I think we, I think you gave me the number like 420 something days or uh, 460 something days of clearances and everything else. Um, as we look back and we reflect on 2017. What did we see? I mean, and as we go into 2018, do you think we're going to see any kind of improvements on these times and these delays in the clearance process? Yeah, so 2017 was a really rough year in in many cases, but for people with security clearances, for people waiting for security clearances, um, it it was pretty dismal. So um, at at this point, you're looking at well over 700,000 people that are uh, either awaiting uh, clearance, final clearance for the first time, or awaiting reinvestigation. Um, Clearance processing times have uh, ground to a new halt, definitely something we can talk about in more detail. I think the... um, 
the key statistic that jumps out is at this point, getting a final top secret clearance is taking, um, on average, over 500 days. Wow, 500 days. I mean, it's almost almost going into a year and a half, almost two years these days. You know, what, what's what's going on? I mean, is, you know, I know we talked about this before, but is it a lack of the investigators? Is, is the, 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 the new National Bureau of Investigation, is that not going as well as it should be? Is it just that we're overwhelmed with the number of candidates? Is it the transition of the government? I mean, what are the factors? That, what's the cause and effect here that's causing, you know, these delays at that level? Well, I think the good thing is, is unlike, um, you know, maybe seven, eight years ago, um, the Government Accountability Office has actually been coming out with um, a pretty steady stream of reports on the clearance process. And I, I think that that's, that's really the first step in this, this whole game, is that if you don't know the numbers, then you really um, you can't take action. So the GAO has really been on top of things, and they've been putting out regular reports. And what they put out um, most recently is they're showing that starting around 2012, um, it's just gotten worse and worse in terms of, of, of processing times. So in, in 2012, um, 27% of agencies had actually met their investigation and adjudication goals for um, uh, secret clearances. Um, and that's in most uh, most of the year, um, they met that. So three out of four quarters. So um, they they were doing okay um, back in 2012. But as you look at the years that go on, you can start to see this uh, this graph pointing in one direction, and that is is up in terms of clearance processing time. So by 2016, what happens is you find out that about you know just a few percentage uh, points. Uh, in terms of uh, government agencies that are actually getting their adjudication goals done on time and investigation goals done on time. So it's gone from roughly 27% down to roughly 2%, um, and that's for the fastest 90%. So if you look at the charts, you can really um, understand pretty clearly that um, processing times for clearances have gotten worse and worse and worse. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for it, but in 2018, we don't expect any improvements in clearance processing times. Evan, what do you say? I mean, when, when, when we kind of say, hey, there's not going to be any improvements, I mean, what, what do we say to candidates? I mean, it, 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 this seems to be one of the probably the, the times in which we need candidates the most. I mean, with the number of things that are going on, uh, North Korea, the Russian situation, uh, counterintelligence situations, uh, cyber situations, terrorism situations, it seems uh, that we have a number of very, very critical situations where we need some of the top people working on these issues. So wh what does that really result in in terms of candidates? Are, are we seeing the migration of people just away from government? I know that there was a mention that uh, the administ administration is having a hard time getting uh, some of the top candidates in political positions. But what does that mean for government contractors and government agencies? Yeah, so, so what it means is, you know, when you're looking at 500 days for a top secret clearance, um, it means that getting new people into the mix is something that very few um, government contracting firms can, can stomach. Um, in, in general, they're going to be looking for people that already have a top-secret clearance. They can pull from one company, put to another company, um, and get them on the job quickly. No one wants to wait 500 days for a clearance. The, the problem with that is that you end up with HR teams, recruiters, 
um, uh, literally poaching candidates from one company to another. And the more a candidate, um, you know, leaves one company to go to another, you, you end up with morale issues, you end up with um, uh, high expenses, you end up with um, people feeling that they've got a kind of a self-inflated sense of worth and you get salaries that, that go up. Um, it, it's a mess all across the board. So until the government really gets clearance processing times um, back to where they were, you know, six or seven years ago um, to a, a pretty palatable range, um, you're going to find people leaving the process, and you're going to find com- companies so desperate for talent that they're pretty much willing to do anything. They'll, they'll go to their competitors, and they'll pull people out. You know, it, it's really gotten bad. You know, as we think about that, I mean, I, I was just having a conversation last night uh, 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 with someone who's in the government contracting sphere and just and saying just this. I mean, and they were just saying, well, you know, I've, I've gone to a couple of different companies right now uh, because, I'm, you know, every time I jump from one company, if I don't like the atmosphere, I'm getting calls from several other companies about kind of moving on and, and everything else uh, for the candidate. And, and let me ask two questions for the candidate. Is the jumping around, is that kind of expected these days? Does that hurt somebody on a resume? And then also, too, uh, for those situations, you know, in terms of the, the continuous poaching, that seems to, to have to at some point in time hurt the government agency that they're working for because you never have a stable workforce. Yeah, that's right. So to, to address the last um, part of your question, um, there's, there's a bit of a brain drain that, that goes on when someone um, leaves an organization after a short amount of time. Um, I mentioned morale a couple minutes ago, which definitely takes a hit. Um, there's always a cost involved um, with someone leaving. But if someone's not staying in a position long enough, then um, you end up with a level of expertise that's not quite at the level that, that the government needs. So you're, you're correct in, in that aspect that there are a range of issues that happen when someone leaves an organization, um, should get back to your first point. You know, maybe a, a decade ago, um, if a company saw that a security cleared person had left a job after six or eight months um, and had a history of doing that, they'd probably have a red flag raised and say, "No way! You know, we we don't want this person. They're they're likely to leave. They have this pattern of not staying in a place for too long." Unfortunately, now companies don't really have a, a, a choice. They could see someone who's been at five jobs in the last three years um, with five different companies, and if they have the right clearance and the right skills, chances are they're going to take them because the pickings are slim, um, no doubt. You know, with all of that, and Evan, and I want to hold this question going into the next segment because we've got to take a quick break, but what I want you to think about is my concern with this kind of stuff is, especially as we kind of talk about the brain drain and we talk about a number of different things, is that also, too, the brain drain is also now swinging out to the private sector. I want to you know, talk to you about that in terms, especially when you talk to cyber. You also get another a number of companies who are now starting their own intel units in the private sector, and they're hiring their own intel analysts to deal with a number of different issues, and they're probably paying people at a high level, and they're taking the, 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 the brain power out of the government or taking the new brain power that could come into the government, and they're taking it away from the government sphere. I want to talk about that when we come back back. We're uh, talking about the clearance job situation. We're talking about security clearances, talking about the issues that we're dealing with security clearances uh, in terms of the delays in which people are getting clearances and how it's impacting the government workforce, the government contracting workforce. And and we're going to continue to talk about that as we go forward. We got Evan Lesser. He's on the line with us right now. He's a founder and president of clearancejobs.com. We're going to keep the conversation going after this break. Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM.
Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Thank you for just joining our show. We're having an interesting conversation about clearance jobs. We're talking about that. It's always been a regular issue, but it's serious right now because we've got so many serious issues that are going on. And we need people in the sphere of government, national security, homeland security, in our finance, in our commerce, in our treasury departments, in all these different important departments that sometimes require energy, that require these security clearances. And now... We're in this situation where clearances are taking a long time uh, to get done, over 500-something days for a top-secret clearance. That hurts the government's sphere because you can't get people in quickly enough to do these important jobs. We're talking about this with Evan Lesser. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. If you've got a clearance, um, it's a place for you you need to be on. It's got a lot of great advice, but you can find the employers who are looking for the right candidates all over the sphere, intelligence, language, acquisition, human resources, administration, engineering, computers, cyber, everything else is on this site right here in terms of the talent uh, that, that, you know, is being sought after by these employers. And if you're an employer who's trying to recruit, this is the place where you find that talent. Evan, you know, we were talking about certain things and I kind of mentioned about the the drain, right, you know, in terms of the clearance process and everything else. And, and honestly, some people don't want to go through it as much anymore. Some people don't have the tolerance or the patience, especially as we come into a society that seems to be more and more impatient. Um, it seems to be the private sector is starting to sweep up uh, some of these candidates. Yeah, most definitely. So, you know, it's bad enough that um, a top secret clearance takes 500 days you know, in, in 2018, but you hit on the on a big issue is that a lot of people don't want to wait for a clearance to come through. Um, a lot of people are thinking to themselves, um, boy, there must be something in my background that's tripping up the process. They don't realize that you can have one of the most clean records and it's still going to take hundreds of days. So people get spooked, and um, that's very distasteful. And, and I think that people who are undergoing the clearance process, after a while, a lot of them just drop out. If this was 2007, 2008, where the job market was not so great and unemployment was high, I think you'd find people more willing to stick through, um, you know, a lengthy clearance process. But, you know, the economy's doing good. Um, it has been for a few years. Unemployment is, is down. There's lots of good and interesting jobs out there in a range of categories. So people don't have to sit and wait for the clearance. Having a security clearance isn't the golden key to a really solid and high-paying career that it was, you know, a decade ago. Um, In many cases, um, non-clear jobs are paying just as much, if not in most cases more, um, than people that have security clearances in in, in the cleared marketplace. So the government has had a public relations um, challenge for years to get people interested in in being a civil servant, interested in working for government, um, oftentimes at at lower pay. But the whole clearance process and the delays are really just making working for for government not nearly as interesting or exciting as it was um, a number of years ago. Evan, what are you hearing about all this stuff that's going on in the news, about the Russian situation, about, you know, all these other kind of different things and the impact? impact on government and just the transition. Is that also having an impact on people's interest in government right now? Uh, has it taken a negative impact on on things where people are like, you know what, I just don't want to do it. It doesn't seem positive or, or you know, I mean, also it just seems to be, you know, State Department is, is has, has been getting, you know, a big hit in terms of 
uh, uh, you know, the, the number of people, the transition and people saying that uh, is it, not going to, you know, be the same State Department. You've got other agencies who seem to be taking a hit um, in terms of personnel and, and maybe a, a drawdown is like you mentioned, the kind of the, the public relations nightmare scenario. Is this really causing an impact upon government and government contractors that people are wary to get into this industry? Uh, yes, most definitely, and, and and it's not necessarily new. Um, I would say that it started um, right after um, Edward Snowden, and okay. you know initially um, there was a lot of uh, light shed on on the NSA and, and how they monitor and surveil and and the other intelligence agencies and, and how they keep tabs on on uh, on terrorists, and a lot of people felt like that was shedding light on something that they they felt was was unsavory that there was more oversight into people's lives than than they expected and how much of that is real and how much of it is is um you know quote unquote fake news i think is is still debatable but um that was really the start of things and it, it made people feel like boy do i do i want to go to work for government do i want to work for um for big brother mm-hmm. um the, the next big issue that that i think came out that made people less likely to want to work for government is um, the the hack of OPM. And, you know, you're looking at 20-plus million um, records um, stolen and containing all the most deep information on um, security clearance holders. And that was a pretty public thing. That was not um, hidden from view. It wasn't affecting only cleared people. It was affecting cleared people and all of their, their family and relations who were part of those electronic um, forms. And that really had a big impact as well. People were thinking, gosh, if the, if the government can't securely hold on to my information, um, why would I want to fill out a security clearance form and, and have all that information over to them? So that, that was another big thing. And then, as you mentioned most recently, is, um, is, is the current administration. You know, a lot of people don't want to work for the current administration. They, they feel like it goes against some principles that they might have. Um, some people are fine with it. Some people aren't. But what we've seen um, very recently is that the appeal of working for government has taken a drastic hit over the years, and the, the past 12 months have certainly not helped it at all. Wow. You know, and I know I wanted to get back to we were talking about the SF-86 and everything else and just these adjustments uh, that are coming out uh, of this. Uh, what, what, what? Continue with the updates that we were talking about, Evan. I mean, you know, what, what do we see the evolution coming going into? So the changes to the um, electronic um, forms for security clearances that, that came out. I mentioned earlier in the show that they're a little bit of a reflection of our times, and you know, they're definitely a positive move for a clearance process that's taking so long. Anything you can do to um, help out the process is, is surely welcomed, but. In many cases, I think they're probably looking at them as um, a very small Band-Aid on a, on a pretty big wound. So some of the changes include um, uh, you can now use an email address as a, as a contact method um, if you're filling out a clearance. I know it seems um, uh, pretty crazy that hasn't been on, but only in the past couple of weeks has that been finally added. You have the ability now to um, have the form assist you in looking up addresses. So one of the, the key things on filling out security clearance form is having to go back through you know the past seven years and find old addresses for things like um, a school or a place that you worked or an apartment. So the form um, helps you out a little bit with that now, um, and, and that's useful, and that can help to cut down on, uh, on time. Um, the marital or relationship status um, has been expanded, and that 
uh, a little bit now more accurately reflects um, legally recognized relationships. So the form was previously very 1950s, and you know um, it was, are you married? Yes or no? And that was really it. Um, now it gets into more detail about um, who you are and what your status is, um, both marital as, as well as relationships. Um, one last piece I'll, I'll mention is um, uh, the illegal use of drugs and drug activity question um, now makes it really clear which drug use may be legal under state law but may be illegal under federal law. And that's something that's been um, really confusing for the past few years as states have legalized marijuana um, you know, people don't understand, does that mean that I can put it on my form? Should I not put it on my form? You know, what's the difference between a federal law and a, and a state law? You know, that's interesting. And we got to take a quick break. But I want to go into this a little bit more because I've been getting a lot of questions about that in terms of people saying, you know, it's, it's legal, um, you know, in this state. I'm in California. I'm in D.C. And they've legalized the use of marijuana. But then by federal law is stating that it's illegal. And then there's also the dynamic between some agencies are really, really still sticklers about this, like law enforcement agencies and some of the other agencies, maybe that defense or maybe an intel agency says, hey, you know, the timelines can be sometimes a little bit different in terms of somebody being qualified or disqualified uh, as it relates to them being able to put in an application or their adjudication process. I want to talk about this a little bit more as we go forward. We're talking about the security clearance process. We're talking about security clearance jobs. We're talking about what's going on in the industry right now with clearances and the, the number of delays and how it's impacting the government agencies, uh, government contractors, and a number of different uh, other significant issues where we can't get the right people into these positions because they can't get cleared in, in, in a timely fashion. You're waiting for a year and a half, maybe almost two years for a security clearance. A lot of people don't want to take that kind of time to wait to get into a government job. We're talking about all these issues right now with Evan Lesser. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. If you're just joining us, we have been having a very, very important conversation as we're starting this new year about what's going on in the clearance market, in the clearance jobs market, what's going on in the government sector in terms of bringing in the right talent for the right positions. Uh, we're talking about a number of different things in terms of whether it be the delays of uh, security clearances, over 500-something days for top-secret clearances. We're talking about the updates on uh, the security clearance forms, the SF. 86 and other things like that in order to provide uh, better information and maybe to clear up some of the kind of the nuances and some of the kind of the, uh, uh, the, the the dynamics that people didn't understand about the security clearance forms. And we're talking about we're going to be talking about some of the top reasons why people have been denied clearances, uh, especially for 2017. And, you know, for a person who's thinking about getting into this market, this is something for you to understand. What do I need to clear up in order, if I'm going to go into the security clearance field, what do I need to clear up and make sure it's good to go before I start this process? We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. Great site that if, if you're not on it, you need to be on it. A good site in terms of looking at what's going on in the market, getting some good advice, some good network contacts to, to, uh, to get to meet some of the recruiters who are hiring for some of these positions out there. If you've got a confidential all the way up to a top secret SCI full poly clearance, it's a great site to be on. And for employers, whether you're a government agency or a contractor, is where you find that right talent at. 
Evan, you know, we were talking about kind of the, the SF-86 uh, and the updates, and you, and you mentioned about the drug dynamic. That's becoming really, you know, California just passed some major legislation, right? Um, and then you also, <laughs> you've got these battles because DOJ is saying that we're going to come after marijuana use. But then you've got states, more and more states, uh, uh, it's a pretty a significant number now have passed certain legalization, whether it be medical marijuana or just recreational use of marijuana. And so it's become a very very confusing situation out there what are you seeing in terms of this situation i mean yes the forms are, are kind of clearing it up a little bit but what are you seeing in terms of agencies and contractors are people more open to the marijuana use now or what's happening yeah i mean it's probably one of the most common questions um, that we get is uh, you know essentially is um, use of marijuana uh, something that can uh, result in a clearance denial and, and let me be very clear and, and state that the government at the federal level still believes that it's illegal, you know, under federal law to, um, to, to you know, use marijuana. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what the state says, with regards to security clearances, you, you know, can and will get your clearance denied um, and or revoked for, um, you know, using uh, marijuana. So I think that that's something that has been um, a question in the past, but it's very clear now. You know, if you're in a state that has um, legalized marijuana recreationally, um, you, you know, if you want to maintain your clearance, you can't, you can't smoke it. You know, with all of that being the case, it, 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 it are the limits. I've, I've seen law enforcement agencies, you know, kind of start to change, especially as they kind of say, hey, we, we're not getting the same candidates as before. Um, we've got to kind of loosen the strings up a little bit. Have we seen the, the, the usage uh, uh, numbers change? Have we seen the, the usage times change? Like, you know, it used to be, oh, if you smoked it within this period of time, you know, you're disqualified. Are we seeing the evolution of that right now? Uh, you know, especially for these younger people who uh, it, it almost seems as if everybody at some point, not, and, and I know that everybody hasn't, but it almost seems that a lot of people have tried things at some point in time, are we seeing a kind of a change in terms of saying, hey, listen, you know, we'll accept a year or we'll, you know, you haven't, you know, if you, if you haven't done it within this period of time, we're going to loosen it up a little bit in order to still bring these candidates in? Well, I mean, you're right in the fact that um, investigators and adjudicators definitely look at the time of, of, you know, in this case, we're talking marijuana use, mm-hmm. um, how long ago it happened. The, the problem is, is that as more states, um, make it legal for recreational purposes, um, you've got a, a pretty large influx of people that, um, you know, the, the, there, there hasn't been a long time. It's not like they, they did it way back in college and that was a long time ago. You, you right. know, you're looking at this is something that's part of, part of everyday life. Right, right. Um, wh- what's interesting is as we talk in a few minutes about the top reasons for clearance denial um, in this past year, the number of individuals who actually denied or lost a security clearance um, due to marijuana use actually increased from um, 102 um, denials that are on record in, in 2016 to 170 last year. Mm. And that's a pretty big, um, big increase. And those are, um, you know, kind of reflects on, on the fact that this is becoming more of, a, of an everyday thing. But I think now that the government has changed the SF-86 form to make it really clear that, you know, if, if 
if you do use marijuana, even if it's legal in your state, it's still illegal at a, at a federal level. And I think we're going to continue to see the number of people that um, were denied or, or lose the clearance due to marijuana use um, continue to increase. You know, is, is that is, is that new form already available if somebody, you know, downloads? Is it one of the updated forms in terms of the SF-86? Is that stuff already on the new form? Yes. Um, it's only been um, a couple of weeks since it was out there, so if you're, you know, getting ready to fill out the form, you should see it. Um, if you're working on an old form, I'm not sure if they're getting updated um, or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume they are, but, um, yeah, it's definitely something to, to keep in mind. And, and usually most people can find that if they, if they just Google SF-86. I mean, I know the OPM site usually keeps those forms on there. They can usually download the updated form off of, like, the OPM site or just Google SF-86 OPM or something of that sort, right? Yeah, and, and if you're um, working in the contracting um, space or trying to get a job with a, a government contractor, the facility security officer should be um, up to date on um, the new changes and policies, and they should have access to um, the latest standard forms, which which you'd be filling out. You, you know, just just one last thing on this on this drug use, because I, I guess I'm just kind of envisioning a bigger issue, like you just kind of mentioned, as this becomes more of a daily part of your life, right? Uh, the legality of certain things creates a certain kind of like, I'm just, this is like me getting a beer, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I mean, in terms of uh, what I do every single day. Um, do do you think we need to kind of do an education? Because I've, I've seen this happen. I've even seen people who are working for government get confused and maybe, uh, I don't know maybe the reasons why, but they get confused at the legality of a state or an area that they're in. They think that they can go ahead and use it even while they're working for the government or military, whatever the case is, right? That may be nonsense, maybe not. But do, do you think there needs to be an educational, uh, uh, you know, kind of initiative to really kind of, you know, talk to uh, young people and, and people who are working within government? Maybe even some of the older people who say, listen, if you want to work for government, you still can't do this. And question number two, do you think this is going to have an impact again on the number of people who are going to be working for who want to work for government? They're like, hey, listen, this is part of my life. I don't want to give this up. And so, you know, going from there. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think um, uh, to, to hit the latter point, you know, the government can't really um, uh, can't really do with just turning people away left and right uh, from government service. As, as I mentioned, um, there's definitely a, a desperate need for government workers um, with security clearances and, and, and talent thereof. So, when you look at something like uh, marijuana use and the fact that in, in a number of states now it, it's becoming a much more regular and everyday thing, um, someone who's um, you know younger in college and maybe doesn't quite know what they want to do um, with themselves work-wise um, really has to understand that you know using marijuana in, in particular in a state that where it's legal you know could deny you a, uh, a federal job. And some people might say, well, that's fine. Um, but if it's something you have a, an inkling in, you know, it, it's it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, what you mentioned in terms of does the government need to, you know, kind of reevaluate this stuff, marijuana use in particular is um, really in this kind of evolutionary um, stage where things are changing, you know, rapidly. You mentioned California legalizing it um, uh, recently. Um, the government's not going to know for a few more years how many more states um, legalize it and what the impact is, how many people are actually using it. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the fact that the government is looking for cybersecurity talent, and they're actually having to um, 
kind of turn a blind eye to um, uh, people who have kind of engaged in, let's say, less than ethical um, and potentially um, illegal practices when honing their cybersecurity skills. Right. And that may be the same situation um, at some point in the future with marijuana. The government may have to say, you know what, um, we, we might need to, to bend or change our rules a bit because we need, we need people so badly. Um, and I think that that's what's happened on the cybersecurity side is that someone who uh, may have done some hacking in the past that was not, um, not quite legal and or ethical, the government now is turning a, um, a blind eye and saying, you know what, um, it's okay, we need this talent badly, and if you did something in the past while you're honing your skills that was not legal, uh, we're, we're still willing to take you. So maybe in a couple of years down the road, um, this marijuana issue may resurface and the government may have to have a new uh, point of view on it. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's a founder and president of clearancejobs.com. We're talking about these clearance job issues, everything from delays all the way to updates on uh, the SF-86, all the way down to the dynamics of drug use and marijuana use and how that's impacting maybe government hiring, how that's impacting kind of the future in terms of who we bring into government. And also it's still an area of denial, but that may have to change at some point in time as we go forward. As we go into the next segment, we're going to be talking about the top reasons for Clarence Denial. So you definitely want to stay tuned to that. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about a number of clearance issues in terms of everything from uh, the long periods of time that it's taking to get clearances all the way down to drug use and all the way down to the new forms, uh, the, well, I should say the new updates on the SF-86 that if you are getting a clearance or even if you are going through a renewal process, probably you need to download those forms, take a look at them. There's different uh, changes in terms of uh, 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 marriage and, 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 and relationship status, uh, uh, drug usage and all the other kind of pieces that you probably need to be informed about as you're going through this whole process. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com, a great site in which those who have clearances and they're looking for a job or maybe, uh, uh, you know, kind of re-exploring some career options. You want to be on that site. If you've got a clearance all the way down from confidential all the way up to the top secret SCI with the full Poly. It's a good site to network and you should never stop networking. You should never stop kind of looking for the new opportunities. Government agencies as well as government contractors are on there. And for those who are employers who are government agencies or contractors, it's a great place, place to find that talent that you're looking for. You know, Evan, as we were uh, kind of talking, we were you know talking about uh, the dynamics of denial. Uh, uh, marijuana usage and drug usage is still a heavy area of denial. What are some of the top reasons that we found in 2017 for denials of clearances? So, um, not too surprisingly, the, the number one um, reason for clearance denial in 2017 were financial considerations. Mm, so, okay. um, you know, that's still, uh, it has since probably uh, 2007 or so uh, been the, the top reason for, for clearance denial. Um, people mishandling finances, um, heavy into debt, um, you know, heavy income versus debt ratios, um, things like that, um, you know, have, have really um, taken precedence over the last few years in, in, in terms of why people are losing their clearance. So financial considerations um, by far is, is number one. 
Um, number two. But before you is, jump into number two, Evan, sorry, I just yeah. want to talk about this real quick. Uh, I, I get a lot of students who always come up and say, hey, listen, I, mean, I got all these student loans and everything else. And, you know, students now are taking 50000 to to $100,000 in debt, you know, and easily uh, to get, uh, uh, you know, undergraduate degrees and master degrees. And depending on where they go, they can inquire that, acquire that debt very, very quickly. That is still not something that is so is considered a, a negative, right? That's still something that's still considered like that's just part of your educational process. And as long as you're not deferred, there's no issue on that. Is that true? Yeah, it's a smart point. I think it's it's important for people to realize that um, not all debt um, is weighed the same in the government's eyes with regards to security clearances, um, uh, medical debt, um, Debt that was due to you know falling home prices, which we saw a lot in 2007, 2008. Um, student loan debt, um, debt due to layoffs. Um, those things can be explained, and they can surely be mitigated. Um, the kind of debt that we're talking um, that can cause people to to lose a clearance or be denied a clearance are, you know, those high debt to income ratios, um, spending problems. Um, you know, gambling, um, anything that could put you in a position where um, a foreign espionage unit may look at you and say, you know, we could offer this person money for, for secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. Not all debt is considered equally. And, and that heavy credit card usage, that heavy just somebody just going just, you know, just constantly spending on, on frivolous things that they probably didn't need but are more kind of the wants rather than the needs type situation, but you're just continuously rising up your debt versus your income levels, those are the kind of things that are constantly being looked at. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're, we're not talking about um, acts of God, you know, mm-hmm. your, your house caught on fire or right. something like that. You know, we're, we're talking about um, personal spending. And, and, and with those debts, uh, um, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, how do I handle that situation? I know I've seen situations where it's been mitigated by somebody just taking personal responsibility and kind of getting, uh, uh, you know, working to pay things off. But you got to do it ahead of time. You can't wait till you start the process and then somebody says something to you and then all of a sudden you're trying to get it done. You really need to evaluate that before you even start this process. Would you say that? Yeah, completely. And and what the government tends to look for um, when we're talking financial considerations and, and security clearances is they, they look for patterns. So if you've got a, a pattern of spending that, that goes on for a long period of time, um, you know, that would be an issue. But it, in the reverse of that, if you've got um, uh, debt issues and you start to um, address it, um, if you get financial help, if you, um, you know, take um, financial um, classes, if you get a, a credit counselor, um, those are all things that are looked at favorably. And, and I think the, the most important thing to do if you do have financial problems and you hold a security clearance or you're trying to get a clearance is to really document everything, um, every positive action you take to um, to handle that debt, to get credit counseling, to, to get everything under control. Um, those are the kind of things that you're going to want to um, put back out to an investigator. Um, so when an adjudicator takes a look at that, they can see, okay, this, this person is making positive steps in the right direction. Right, right. What's number two, Evan? So number two is uh, is personal conduct. And, you know, personal conduct is something that is, is a little nebulous, but 99% of the time, if someone is denied a clearance due to personal conduct, it's because um, they told an untruth on their standard forms. So, you know, people are constantly asking us, you know, I'm filling out my, my SF-86, and do I need to list X, Y, or Z? Um, you know, should I be 
you know, completely honest about this thing that happened, and it was, you know, to me, not a big deal. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you have to be 100% truthful on your SF-86. Otherwise, you know, you will get a clearance denial. Um, investigators are thorough, and adjudicators are um, really not interested in, in letting someone have clearance um, who actually, you know, lies on their, their SF-86. So you got to always be truthful. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to um, start disclosing anything that's unnecessary, but um, by omitting something that should be on there, it's a pretty quick and easy way to uh, to lose a clearance or, or be denied a clearance. You know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting that that's happening, uh, um, that, uh, it, it, you know, it, of course, it always says on the form that, you know, anything that you lie about, um, will will cause a denial you know, of your clearance if they find out about it. And and I, I think that people still kind of feel like, um, you know, some of this stuff is not going to be found out. With the amount of material that people have in terms of social media, what these investigators have in terms of social media access, in terms of interviewing certain people, oftentimes they, they're going to find things out in, in, in a quicker fashion than you think they will. Isn't that true? Yeah, it, it is true. And, and with social media... Um, now being um, accessible to security clearance investigators, um, I, I would say that's definitely the case. But it, it's kind of broken up into, into two categories. You've got people who um, don't put something on their SF-86 because um, they are trying to cover something up, but you've also got a lot of people who don't put something on their SF-86 because they don't think it's a big deal. Mm. Um, they think, oh, this, this is you know, this is not something an investigator would be interested in. And that is, is really a, a tough situation because just because you don't think it's it's uh, an important issue um, doesn't mean the government wouldn't. So, again, it, it's important to be as 100 uh, percent truthful um, and to get all the information out there. And some of the changes to the SF-86 form um, of late are trying to help people um, fill out the form um, more you know, properly uh, and more factually, right. uh, because I think one of the key things that can really hold up someone's clearance is if you put something down that's not um, correct, whether it's a, an outright lie or just um, a, a mistake, um, that can really uh, throw a wrench in the process and delay someone's clearance. What's number, and real quickly, Evan, we ran out of time. What's number three? Number three is foreign influence. Um, you know, uh, essentially, uh, with our globalized world getting more and more connected, um, it's really become an increasingly significant factor in clearance determinations, um, not only for naturalized citizens, but also people who have uh, parents or, or uh, family members in, in foreign countries. You know, a lot of people are, you know, like you said, family members, they've got contacts. A lot of people are traveling more. A lot of people are getting into relationships with people in different countries these days because it's easier to do that. It, that all has an impact on people getting cleared, right? I mean, and, or is it a matter of people are, are not being truthful about the relationships? What is it? Well, you know, you're correct. I think technology is bringing us all closer and closer together um, from, from around the planet. People regularly have contacts and friends and business associates from, from other countries. And the government is always trying to figure out um, where your loyalties lie. And um, more foreign connections, um, more of that influence is what can uh, make the government kind of uh, raise an eyebrow and say, you know what, um, this person uh, may not have their, their loyalties completely in the right place. So it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. And, and, and again, similar to usage of, uh, of, of marijuana or something like that, you have to understand that what may seem to be innocuous um, with regards to security clearances um, may not be. 
We've been talking to Evan Lesser. He's always full of insight on what's going on, and we're going to definitely have him back in a couple more months to kind of give us any updates that's going on. But we've been talking about the security clearance process, talking about the reasons for denial, talking about updates to the security clearance forms that everybody needs to know about. Evan, thank you so much for giving us this insight. There's a lot of good stuff for 2018 that people need to know about. That's why I'm, I'm glad that we started the, uh, the, the show uh, off with you because I think these are important issues that people need to keep in mind as we go forward uh, into the year. Thank you, Evan. It's, it's a pleasure as usual. Good to talk with you, Derek. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch, only on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 